0: Guys, this is, this is what's so important is she will be first constitutional. That's, that's, that's a big thing for the Supreme Court is just do what the Constitution says, not what you want it to say, but what it says. But the biggest is um, abortion, that she'll help push against that and overturn uh, abortion. And so we just keep praying in these directions. Please pray for her. Uh, the, the White House does not, and the Senate, does not have to let her come before Uh, all the Democrats like they did Kavanaugh and make them, allow allow them to sit there and lie about him and make stuff up and berate his family, that there was nobody in that room that believed that Kavanaugh was making rape trains in high school. There's nobody in that room that believed that. But they have to beat down morality and they have to beat down um, right and uh, against wrong. They have to beat down right. And so uh, pray for, pray for President Trump, pray for the Senate and pray for this Supreme Court nominee, that uh, she won't have to go through that stuff. There's no law that says she has to. I know that, I know that Schumer and all these guys have been out there saying, well, this is, they, they have to follow the constitutional law. They, that he, He's actually right about that. It says it nowhere. I'll eat the Constitution. If you can find where it says they have to allow that. They don't. The Senate has full control here, and he's nominated, the Senate can vote her in. Boom, just like that. Uh, ratifier they don't have to do this other stuff and so pray pray that we don't uh, subject somebody else to what what Kavanaugh went through and even all the way back to Clarence, Clarence Thomas you guys remember when they were doing him this way this is just not okay it's this is not this is not how humans act toward other humans and uh and so so pray this is this is what's so important about this is God will do changes. He will make things happen. He has the power to do it. But all through scripture, he always um, partners with human beings to do it. We have to pray these things into existence. We have to, with the prayer moves the hand of God. God is waiting for us to be who he's called us to be. And so we have to pray for these people. Our, our youth group is at <clears throat> um, retreat right now. Been looking forward to this for a while. No, they have because it was up in the air whether they were going to be able to do this or not. <clears throat> and they should be back this afternoon quite a few of them their're leaders all this stuff we've really been praying a lot uh, lately um, each year it seems to get get stronger they they really uh, accomplish more of what they feel like God is telling them and this year is is no difference in that I also wanted to ask how many of you got to see any of the um the uh, prayer March yesterday anybody get to see some of that in Washington powerful powerful I watched I watched well I watched actually about a Hour of it overall, and all the stuff that they talked about. But I, I got to watch the part where, where Franklin Graham got up and was talking. and introduced Vice President Pence, and uh, had had and Prince Prince uh, Pence was reading scripture and praying, and it just was. It's just one of those. I wish I could have been there. Hundreds of thousands of people in the mall, and uh, and just praying and seeking God, and and then the um, then the uh, governor of Minnesota got up. Anybody see that Bachman? I think her name is. That woman prayed. You can tell that woman prays regularly. It's um, you know some people when they get up you can tell they pray about once every six months if they have to. And uh, this woman she prayed. I mean she was really seeking God. It was just it was just a good thing. This is this is what will change our country. Elections alone don't do it. Now that's not a reason not to vote. I've been telling you please vote and go out to the polls to vote if you possibly can. Don't mail something in. If you can possibly get to the location, don't mail it in. The reason the reason the liberals have been setting this up is because mail-in is how they're going to do fraud. Mail-in is how they're going to lose um, hundreds of thousands of ballots, and uh, so we want to go to the polls. It's much more difficult. Fraud can still happen there, but go to the polls, okay? All right, now with all of this, I've been talking about over the last uh, quite, a, quite a while now that... Um, <clears throat> That God wants us to be a church with power. And I really believe that the place that we've come to in our country today is because the church has had no power. Satan, Satan has power and he's punching the church in the face. And the church has no power and we can't do anything about it. All, all of that, we can, we can lay a lot of these things at the hands of certain uh, sociological and, and political and cultural ideologies and even things like um, uh, uh, government structures. Police in certain cities, all kinds of things like that. But at the end of the day, the reason that the riots are happening, the reason that we see these these uh, Antifa uh, thugs and, and BLM Marxists and all this kind of stuff having free reign in these cities, I believe the main reason is because the church has no power. The church is not standing up against this stuff. The, that we're supposed to be... Empowered by the Holy Spirit to push back. The reason that think about this. The reason that we have abortion legal. The reason that you can murder babies. It doesn't matter the age of that baby. Once conception happens, that's a human being. The reason that we've allowed people for for a few decades now to murder babies is because we don't have power. The church is has got the verbiage, but we don't have power to do anything about it. We don't have power to change it. We're verbalizing, we're saying stuff, we're taking the stances, we put all the things up, we, we have stuff online, we make, we sign petitions, we do all of this stuff, but we don't have power to change it. We've got to have the power to change it. But the church has been working so long under this, um, this uh, church mentality, church covering, that Without power. In fact, we've been pushing against the power. We've been pushing against this stuff. I just saw a, a, a few weeks ago, uh, David Platt, who who I respect, I think he's a good minister. I mean, he's made some very boneheaded decisions lately, like apologizing for Trump coming to his church. Ah, But um, David Platt is, is, I think he's a good pastor. I think he's a good Christian, but he has come out and said in the last month and a half, he has come out and said that that uh, the gifts of the Spirit and miracles and stuff like that are really not for today. He's what's called a cessationist. They're, they're not for today, and the church has got to stop pushing that. The church has got to stop uh, going down that road because it's confusing people. What he means by that is um, when you say that God heals today and then somebody doesn't get healed, that confuses people, right, which, which is stupid, and the other side is something like speaking in tongues. If you, it, it, he thinks that speaking in tongues in a general sense is confusing people because he only reads part of First Corinthians, not all of First Corinthians. And we're going to read important parts of First Corinthians this morning, but having to do with power. The church has got to have power. We've got the verbiage, we've got the structures, we've got the moral code, we've got all the stuff. But then, why is Satan just just beating us up? And I'm saying as a society and as a church. Why are we? Why is why is abortion just part of the lexicon now? It's expected. Why why is why is per, um, promiscuity uh, uh, so blatant in our society today? It's not even discussed. We were talking about this the other day that that um, we're pushing against all the LGBT stuff, but but the idea that you can just sleep around with whoever you want is just part of society today. Why the church has no power? We know that's a sin. We know it's destructive. We know it harms but we don't do anything about it. To the point now where when we know that this people are being uh, involved in this and you have uh, ability to speak in your life, we just don't even say anything because it's so accepted. Because the church has the verbiage, but we don't have the power. We've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to transform and change and do the things that the Lord wants to do. This, this is why it's important. So this is this is, the, um, this is the scripture where, the, where I'm getting this from. And, and this, guys, this isn't just a theological idea. This is literally the, the reason our, our country is where it's at. And this is, this is going to determine whether the church moves forward in America or we just crumble. Right now, we're in the crumbling process. Are we going to rise up and be the church we're supposed to be, be the voice of God on this planet... Be the the power empowered people that speak not just God's word, but we speak it with authority. That's the difference. Is when we speak God's word with power and authority, is things happen rather than we just keep verbalizing and backing up and verbalizing and backing up and verbalizing get, and getting attacked and losing and getting attacked and losing. I I heard some people talking about this the other day. It wasn't my conversation. They talking about the world, the church is still the church and the church is going to win. and no matter what happens, the church is going to win. Guys, that, that, is, that is naive thinking. If you just assume the church is going to win, Jesus Christ is going to win, but the people that are His followers will walk in power and they will win because they're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just calling yourself the church does not mean you will win. We have been losing for decades in this country. We've been losing ground. We've been losing the, the uh, moral voice. We've been losing the authority to speak into the country and the power to accomplish the will that the Lord has. The church in America is not just going to win because we call ourselves the church. We have to have power. So this is where it comes from. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times where people will love only themselves and their money. All of this builds. You can't just pull out the the last sentence here and say, well, this is what it's about. All of this builds. And this is why he's going to get to the end that we have to have not just a form of Godliness, but the the power of it. This is the thing. The reason we don't have the power is because these other things have been building in our lives and our minds and our spirits and in the church. The church is more about these things than not. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud. Scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. this This is literally a description of our country in the last six months. Everything about this. They will consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. That, that's, that's one of the bigger keys right there that you can see. Th- this is one thing. People constantly ask me, where do you get your information? Where do you get your news from? Where do you get all this stuff? And here's one of the things is you have to go into, to, um, when you're online and you're looking at stuff, first, I don't watch TV news at all. It is a joke. But when you go online and you look at where you're going to get your information from, the source is as important. You've got to know the source before you start listening to what they say. Because here's the thing. It says here, they will be cruel and hate what is good. When I come across something, and and I used to have this mentality that I need to have both sides. I've done this for years. You need to have both sides. You need to listen to the right, the left. You need to balance it out and figure it out what it is. But guys, I'm getting to more and more to a point now where I don't want to listen to what I know is going to be a lie from the beginning. I'm not going to those sources anymore nowadays. I used to. I have a whole list of them. I don't go to those sources anymore. Why? Because I don't want that lie getting in my head, in my mind, in my spirit, because it corrupts. And so I look at what I'm doing. Do they hate? Do they hate what is good? Do they do they hate godliness? Do they hate morality? Then I do not want to know what they think about a subject. I want to look at... the. This is where it comes back to Philippians chapter 4. Think on these things. Whatever is good. Whatever is pure. Whatever is right. Whatever is holy. Those are the things I'm going to focus on. And so I'm, I'm getting more and more to the point now where I'm limiting the other input. And this just seems to be the mentality today that we have to... Um, give credence to uh, immorality and lies. You have to give credence because it's the other side and we need to be balanced. You don't have to give credence to a lie. In fact, when, I, when my kids were little, I didn't, if they were lying to me, I stopped it then. You don't, I'm not listening to your lie. I know what truth is and we're going to go that direction. I'm not listening to the lie. I don't want to know what, what's being said. If you hate evil, I'm not concerned with what you think. Okay, I think I I said that strong enough. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They will act religious. They'll have all the stuff. They'll do all the things. They They will appear to be... Um, Christians, they will appear to look and act like Christians. Uh, my daughter sent me a little video clip of a church in uh, Texas. And um, she was wanting to get my feedback and, and um, her older brother started jumping on it first and then I came in later because I didn't see it at first. But um, this, this church was preaching on, um, and I don't know what church it is, but this church was preaching on, um, on um, uh, sin and hell. And basically, the sermon was Our country is, is uh, sliding toward, is on a highway toward hell. So they had the worship band get up right before the sermon and play ACDC Highway to Hell. And she's like, That's kind of cool, huh? She was testing the waters, you know, there. And I said, That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why, why would you do that? Why? Why would you set that stage? The song is, I'm on a highway to hell. Why would you set that stage? And I told her, I said, Emily, you've heard me talk about this a few times. One of the, one of the more spiritually disappointing, kind of defining moments was 15 years ago or more. I was flipping through TV and there was, there was some, I don't even know what it was. But they were, they were showing part of a concert from ACDC and, they, and the song Highway to Hell was playing. And over 100,000 people were in that coliseum jumping with their hands and satanic stuff, jumping up and singing along with the whole 100,000 people bouncing, singing, I'm on a highway to hell. And I thought, that's that's a worship service. That's what that is. And I told her, I said, what would be the difference? I said, so when he preaches on pornography, is he going to show porn first? I mean, how, how long, do, how you can continue down this road with any subject, right? But he, And she was saying, well, I think they're trying to be kind of cool or whatever. I said, yeah, but this is where the church is at. We've come to a point where we will sacrifice the the the, the purity and the holiness and the reality of who God is. And I told her, and she knows this because I'd mentioned to her a few months ago. Um, I'm, I'm getting more and more to a point, in fact, for months now, I, I don't, I don't listen to any music that's not worship music. I don't want the stuff in my spirit. I don't think all music out there is bad. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but I'm just getting more and more to a point where it just seems there's an urgency in my spirit. God, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we have the the uh, luxury to be playing around. And and I think the reason the church is where it's at now is because we have believed we have had the luxury to play around. That's that's why we are where we are. Because we've been playing around for decades. Instead of really doing... I, I mentioned this just briefly, and I had some people ask me about it last week, so I'll mention it again. Um, that I am praying... I'm praying strongly for the church that one of the things that we don't do, that we don't fall into the trap because it's crazy. It's, you can go to any, any website out there, right now, Media that we use, which is a very good website. It has a lot of good messages and great ministers and all kinds of stuff. I'm not, not dogging the, 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 the group. But if you go on it right now, and I've done this for a couple of weeks now, just looking through everything on there that's being pushed and put into the front and everything is how do we emotionally and mentally cope with COVID and where we're going to go with this as the church. Okay, I'm not against that. The problem with that is that's all that you're seeing out there. You can go to any groups. Catalyst, I believe strongly in Catalyst. You go to Catalyst. Website, that's what it's about. All of the, the preachers, all the teachers, uh, Christianity Day, the Christian Post, all these different things, all of their articles are about emotionally and mentally uh, dealing with COVID and the fallout of COVID. It's not about praying and seeking God. Just get on your face before God. And it's not about telling people about who Jesus is because that's their only hope. It's, it's none of that. We've, we've fallen into the trap That, well, society has told us this is the issue, and so we're going to allow that to be defined for us. And so now we need to emotionally learn how to deal with the issue. And by the way, a very strong sub-subject under this is how prejudiced the church is. Because that's another subject that we've allowed the world to define and tell us. And that's not a reality. Again, I've been encouraging this. I want to encourage you again. Go to UncleTom.com. UncleTom.com. Uh, buy that movie and watch it. It, 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 is, it is profound truth that, that speaks back against the narrative uh, that uh, our country is so extremely racist right now. Well, it always has been. Guys, it's not. We're the least racist country in the world. The least, I'm, okay. So, so go there. So, so how do we get this power? It says, stay away from people that have the religion but not the power. How do we get this power? Let's look at it. Luke chapter twenty-four, verse forty-five. <clears throat> this is, um, uh, Jesus is is this is last moments is after the resurrection. This is the guys. Um, on the road to Emmaus, he says some of the same things to the disciples. Uh, when he visits them, but he says, then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures, and he says, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die, and rise from the dead on the three day on the third day. He comes into there's there's Jesus shows himself to quite a few people after the cross, and he comes in and he says these things to certain people at certain times. Guys on the road to Emmaus, the disciples twice that he says this kind of stuff. Now, why is that important? Because it's important enough to Jesus that not only does he make appearance after the resurrection, I mean, there's other reasons for that too, but he specifically could talk about anything to them at this time, but he's very adamant about this particular subject to the disciples after the resurrection, okay? It was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. That is, that's, that's the deal for us, is we've got to tell people about Jesus. We've got to preach the gospel. We've got to let people know who Jesus is. Why? Because that's their only hope. In the middle of all this stuff that's going on right now, the only hope for humanity is Jesus. It's, it's not all of the things that, depends on which category you're going down, but it's not all the stuff society is saying health-wise, or emotionally, mentally-wise, or politically, or anything. The, 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 the only thing that will help us as a people, the only thing that will save us as a people is Jesus Christ. We've got to be telling people about Jesus. Now, this is after He has said many times in all four Gospels, He tells people to go preach the gospel. I'm um, going to all the world. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Okay, um, Acts chapter one, verse eight, which is the exact same moment right here as Luke chapter twenty-four. Acts chapter one and Luke twenty-four are the same time. One is at the beginning of Luke. Luke wrote them both. One is at the, I mean the end of Luke. And one is the beginning of Acts because he overlays and basically he says he's writing to the same guy, Theophilus, and he says Theophilus is a story. Gets to the end of the, the book. He starts the next book by backing up into the last part of the first book called Luke, and he writes the book of Acts. And he says, Theophilus, this is the, the rest of the story, kind of Paul Harvey thing. And, and, but he starts in Acts 1 is Luke 24. They're the same moment, the same time. Why is that important? Because he says in Acts one, the reason you're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit is to to uh, be my witnesses. Now, there's a lot of other things that come along with the power of the Holy Spirit, but it, but there none of them are mentioned there. They're because they're all secondary. Every one of them are secondary. Primary is to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of That's the primary. We're going to look at that in a second. That's the primary. There's there, Everything else is secondary. And it's interesting that the church, if, if the church believes in an empowerment of the Holy Spirit at all, because there are major chunks of the church that don't, but when you find places in the church where, where they do believe, um, like Pentecostal charismatic mentalities in a... Um, In an empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we always raise all the other things, the secondary things, up as the primaries. And the primary gets pushed so far down, it becomes non-existent in the church world. And that is witnessing. Witnessing. That's the reason that we're empowered. So Jesus has been saying all this stuff. And he says, It is also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send my Holy Spirit just as my father promised. And then he says, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. This is extremely important to Jesus. Go preach the gospel. Go preach the gospel. This gospel is going to be preached. This is the message. You're being sent all over the world. All these things all through the gospels. He says this. But then one of the very last things he says before he leaves this planet physically as he says, but, but wait in Jerusalem until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if you try to do this just as knowing who Jesus is and being made right with God the Father, which is covered with the blood of Jesus, if you try to do this just covered with the blood of Jesus, your relationship with God will be good, but you won't have power to transform the people around you. You won't have power to walk in the supernatural you're not going to have the power which which also leads to the motivation and the compassion for the lost to go and preach the gospel a church that has no power will not preach the gospel guys look at the american church the american church is getting smaller every single year why we're not witnessing why we're not walking in the power of the spirit And when we do, when you have the pockets of the church that strongly believe in this, I don't mean the the manifestations of spirit living. See, this is where the church has adopted a bunch of stuff and we told ourselves it's the same thing. Um, Back in the 80s, coming into the 90s, there was a major push through all evangelical churches to look more like the Pentecostals because they're having more fun. So they began to clap and raise their hands and sing Uh, Peppier songs and do all of the stuff and there became a freedom in worship and I don't think it was fake I believe it was real it's undeniable that it happened the problem is is the the Pentecostal church instead of saying yeah we've been over here a long time come meet us come gather with us because it's more than just worship it's more than just exciting church it's an empowered living in the Holy Spirit we went their way and met them halfway and left empowered living behind that's where we are as a church now. We got the look of it, you know, the power. And that's why the church doesn't witness. That's why we don't even know how to live empowered mentalities. We don't even know how to verbalize stuff to people. We, we, we cow down, we give up, we don't want to be confrontational. I've had so many people tell me for years and years and years, but specifically the last six, seven, eight months, I've had people telling me, not, not from within our church, except for a few exceptions. But people telling me, you're too confrontational. Um, be, be nicer. That's not maybe the words they use, but that's what they're saying. Be nicer. You, you know, I said this to my kids yesterday. We, we drove up in the mountains and looking at um, the leaves change and all that kind of stuff. We didn't really go far because it was a nonstop line between here and divide. of of about 10 mile an hour traffic and when we got there I was like I've seen enough leaves I can't do this anymore but we sat at lunch and I was talking to him I said you know I'm I'm in a place as a minister and I said this we were online with my my kids in Texas too I said this I said I'm in place in ministry which is very unique for me and I and I really like it I am um, more invigorated right now now preaching is my favorite thing to do I know I'm called to do it God has gifted me to do this and it's my zone Okay? I would rather do that than anything. There are other things about pastoring I don't ever want to do, but I have to. But preaching is it. Okay? And the studying for it, I like that too. But I told him, I said, I'm kind of in a zone right now more than I've been, I'm saying inside my spirit. And so said, because we have people coming into the church in droves. And I, and I don't mean this overly critical, but guys, this is the truth. The first five or six years I was here, this was not the case. Okay? Well, we got people coming into the church right now in droves saying, Pastor, we appreciate your confrontational approach because we've been missing it forever, and we need it. And they're coming from churches all over town, well-known churches from all over town where that's not happening. And then they're bringing their neighbors, unsaved friends and stuff, and they're saying the same thing. We've had, we've had two or three, well, more than that, families lately that are saying, I, didn't even, I don't even go to church, I don't do anything, but man, this is what I need. Why? Why? Because guys, we're at a place where it's squeezing in. The spiritual is squeezing in, and we've got to speak truth. And we have not been doing that. Not only not speaking truth, but not walking in power. That we are walking in the authority of that truth, because it's Holy Spirit anointed. You, me, all of us. Not just me that's doing this. It's it's all of us. Guys, take the opportunity to speak truth. Don't worry about being confrontational. Sometimes it's not going to go well for you because of that. I get that. Same with me. But at the same time, people are hungry for truth right now more than I've ever seen before. They're hungry for truth. Let's speak truth. We've got to do this. It's too important. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, why were they meeting there? Because Jesus had told them to go there and wait until they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. They knew when it was going to happen. I've heard all kinds of things about this stuff over years and years. People saying, well, they, they didn't know what was about to happen. They knew exactly what was about to happen. How do we know? Because Pete, Peter gets up right after this and says, this is exactly what Joel told us was going to happen. They were expecting, they were waiting on what Joel had prophesied. And, th- and exactly that happens. And, and I've also had people say that... Um, the reason that this happened, that the Holy Spirit was waiting for them to get all in one Honda. That is not true. That's not what the Holy Spirit was waiting for. What was the Holy Spirit waiting for? The day of the beginning of the harvest called Pentecost. He was waiting for the day that the harvest started. Why? Because this is the day the harvest starts for the church i 've also seen where other people say that this was the birth of the church. in fact that 's the most common way to approach Acts two in, in, um, in christian specifically evangelical world is this was the beginning or the birth of the church. This was not the birth of the church. The church had been in existence for for thousands of years at this time. This was the empowerment of the church. This was not the birth. This wasn't a brand new thing that started all this new thing. This, this was the same message it has always been. It has now been fulfilled and finalized in Jesus Christ. But this is the, this is the same from the beginning. You, there, sin demands punishment. And, and the only way that that punishment can be changed is through a, a, an ultimate sacrifice. That has been the message from the Garden of Eden. But now the church is empowered. That's what this is. The church becomes empowered. Empowered. That's, that's why John says that the before you were the, the Holy Spirit was with you, now it will he be in you. When he says before the Holy Spirit's with you, he doesn't mean just the guys, just the disciples at the time. He's talking for centuries before, millennium before. The Holy Spirit's been with you, now he's gonna be in you. That's the difference. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Pneuma, breath of God. I'm not going to go over all this a lot. I've talked about it before. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. Individual empowerment. This is not groupthink anymore. It used to be groupthink up until the cross. Now you want to be empowered. It's your empowerment. The flame, the the presence and the power of God that represented in flame all through scriptures now over your head individually. You. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Languages of what? The world. Languages of earth and of heaven. Not just the world. Heaven, earth, but languages. Why? Because you're going to use this mouth to go to those languages and preach the gospel. That's why they speak in tongues. That's still why we speak in tongues today. Because we are speaking the language of heaven and earth and that is how we are empowered. It is not a sign of empowerment. I know that's a simile of God thinking, and I don't agree with it. I think it's about 60% right. Let's go all the way to 100%. It's not a sign of your empowerment. It is your empowerment. It's how you're empowered. When you're, when you're needing power, when you're needing the, the battle to be fought and won at that moment, begin to pray in the Spirit. It doesn't matter what the subject is. Pray in the Spirit, because that's how the Holy Spirit... Uh, 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 rises up within you and gives you that power that's how the holy spirit does it is you pray in the spirit and anybody that's that's done this for any length of time in their life at all they know this to be true when you're praying the spirit you can feel god's power rising up within you feel God's power. but this is this is part of the, the the problem that the pentecostal church has had is we put uh, emphasis on all of the extra stuff instead of just getting with the Holy Spirit, spending time praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit until you are empowered. And we, we could leave everything else off. And if we just do that, the church will start rising up in power. If We just did that. Just pray in the Spirit. When you're praying for somebody, pray in your language and pray in the Spirit. This is exactly the way Paul says it. Pray in your language, pray in the Spirit, pray in your language, pray in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will rise up within you in power, and your, and your words, your prayer, that moment becomes way bigger than you, becomes supernatural. Pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, so important. So, the very first thing that they do, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But then, life starts happening. Acts chapter 4 As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Well, what did the leading priests and elders say? They said, Peter, John, stop talking about Jesus. We'll put you both back in jail if you do this. Stop talking about Jesus. And this is where they say, well, you know, we're going to do what God says. Thanks for the input, but we're going to do what God says. We're more worried about what he thinks than what you think. And, and that, man, that made them mad. But they let Peter and John go. They go back to the believers, and everybody's nervous. They're worried. They're scared. Because they're going to they're gonna potentially be put in jail or attacked. What is the difference between what we're dealing with right now, except that it's not as bad? No matter how bad you think it is right now, Christians are still, well, I, I say that, but uh, Christians got put in jail this week because they had a worship service. Do you guys see that? They got arrested and put in jail? What? So I guess there's no difference. It's the exact same thing. I, w- I saw that little uh, pictures and I saw a little video clip of that. And I know this is not the, the normal way everybody's thinking. I really felt sorry for those two police officers that were arresting those people. Because I just don't think they were all in with that mentality. I, I, I wonder if they're literally putting those handcuffs on people thinking, we are arresting people because they are singing worship songs. Because that's all they were doing. Our country is crazy right now. But here's the thing. They had the exact same thing. We're having the exact same thing. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Same thing they do. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Now, again, I'm not against like rallies and getting together and all that kind of stuff. But I think the the best thing that I have seen in a long time is when I was watching yesterday and, and Franklin Graham, right after Vice President Pence prayed, he said, now we're just going to spend a few moments. He said, pray how you want, what you want. But he said, I just one request, pray out loud. Hundreds of thousands of people. And I'm watching and My spirit is being moved by this. Hundreds of thousands of people standing on the mall. And uh, my son Isaac was there and he was looking at the video and he said, you know what that looks like, dad? I said, uh, Martin Luther King. He said, that's exactly what it looks like. When Martin Luther King stood the exact same place and the mall looked exactly like that. And I said, I told him, I said, son, this is, this is as important or more important than that moment. And that's one of the most important moments in our, in our history as a country. I said, but this one is bigger because we are, we are seeking God for the, the life of our country. Because we're dying. Hundreds of thousands of people, he said, begin to pray. Begin to pray. And they were just pan the crowd with the cameras. Hundreds of thousands of people just seeking God and praying. And you could see all kinds of different styles, you know. Again, that, that governor of Minnesota, of, of Minnesota, she was standing, or previous governor, she's not governor now. She was standing kind of behind um, Franklin Graham by Vice President Prince. And she's back there just. And I told her, I said, look at this lady. That lady knows how to pray. She's not playing. She. I thought. I, I wish I could hear what she's saying. I don't even know what she's, but I can sense her prayer. Guys, pray for our country. This is what they said. They heard the report. All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. That's the answer. But they weren't just praying. And here's the biggest. They weren't just praying. Well, they didn't pray this at all. They didn't pray, God, protect us. I don't think that's wrong or bad, but their mentality was different. They were saying protecting us is not the priority right now. They're trying to stop us, and they're trying to stop the gospel. Protecting us is not the priority. It's getting the name of Jesus out there, the gospel out there, that's the priority. Look at what their prayer is. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord, against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. He's doing the same He's doing the same there. They're doing the same there, looking back to the time of David, that I'm doing right now, looking back to them. Saying, God, this is who you are. This is what you've said. You're, they, 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 attacked, they attacked your people during the time of King David. They're doing the same thing to us. And I'm saying, they attacked the, the people during the time of Peter and John, right after the resurrection, and they're doing the same to us. So do we pray, God, protect us? That's not bad, guys. Do that. I, I pray that for my kids, my 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 grandkids all the time, I pray that, I pray that, I pray that. But at the same time, this is the most important thing. It's not protection. God give us the boldness. Look, in fact, this has happened here in this city for Herod and Tippus, Pontius Pilate the governor, the Gentiles. It's interesting that the governor's involved. Do I need to say that again? Did you guys hear where uh, Florida, Governor DeSantos released all restrictions on everything in Florida? Now, you know why? Because Linda and I were talking about this. And Linda, I was so proud of her. She's, she's getting on top of this stuff. Um, it's probably because I talk about it all the time. But um, I, said, I said the same thing to her. You know Governor DeSantos released all this stuff. And then I think um, my daughter-in-law or Isaac William said, well, then why can't we do that? And Linda immediately said, because our governor made it a pact with other governors, including the governor of California, Governor Newsom, who just said no gas cars by 2035. No gas cars. You just, you can't help that level of stupidity. You can't. No, okay, so Linda said... But, but our governor made a, a pact with these other five governors and said, we will all act the same. We will stand strong together and we will go by your rules. And Governor Newsom is the one making the rules. And, that, and that's the same guy who said no gas cars. So that's why we can't change because we're locked in. We're locked in. So, so you can't catch COVID in Florida. But the more west you get, the worse it gets. By the time you get to California, oh, okay, so I got to focus. And he says, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel are all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. And, th- and that's the same today, guys. They're, they're, they're united against Jesus. It doesn't look that strongly because, because there's other things involved. Because that's really what's going on. The, the, the society hates Jesus. Society doesn't hate SUVs. They only hate SUVs because they think they're God with this religion go green. I've been saying this for 15 years, that the environmental movement is a a modern-day religion. And PragerU just put out a video this week about the—it's about a 20-minute video. It's way longer than normal ones—about how this is a religion. I thought, good, you guys are getting it. This has been a religion from the beginning. Mother Earth, we are gods in, in little form. We can control stuff. All these things. They hate, they, they, they hate Jesus and they have to worship. They, they still are spiritual people, so they have to do something. The same thing now. They don't, they don't hate a govern, uh, Governor. They don't hate President Trump. They hate Jesus, and he's been doing a lot of Jesus things. The biggest one is Amy Tony Barrett. That this is huge, okay? So he says, O oh, oh, oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Not protect us, give us boldness. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. We need that exact thing now. They're attacking you, Jesus, so give us boldness and help us that when we are praying and when we are witnessing that miracles happen. Because that is Power pushing against the darkness. Power pushing against the darkness. And that's what we need. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. Just like I said last week, why was there an uh, earthquake after Jonathan went up on the hillside? Because God loves to do big things and show off. Why did this meeting place shake? Because the Holy Spirit said, I'm with you, but I'm going to show you. this. I'm going to give you a little something here just to walk away going, wow. Now, now, here's the thing. God doesn't always have to do that. And we, that's not what we're going after. Okay? that's not what, I've, I've been in prayer meetings where people have prayed before, Lord, shake this building. Shake this building. They did not pray shake the building. They prayed, give us boldness and power to preach the gospel. But we're more concerned sometimes about building shakings than power of the gospel. Let's, let's get out there and be empowered, not in here and be empowered. Let's, here's good too, but you, you understand what I'm saying? They didn't pray that the building be shaken. Holy Spirit just did that because He's cool that way. I mean, there's really not any other reason except He was just showing He was there. He does this thing. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. You and I need the boldness. We need the power, not not bold in ourselves, not bold in our and our message, not bold in standing up against stuff, but bold in the power of the Holy Spirit that carries um, transcendent truth of the gospel to people's lives. That is still the best number one way to change the world is to change one soul at a time, bringing from Satan's camp to Jesus' camp. When Satan runs out of people, he's got nothing. Just keep moving them into the camp of Jesus as much as you possibly can. 1 Corinthians 14. Again, speaking in tongues is how you get this power. I've had this question for years. Well, do I have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's how you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how. Do I need to put gas in my car to make it go? That's how it goes. That's, there's no go. There's no go without gas. That's, that's literally the mentality. <clears throat> Plus, let's just look at this. This is why I'm reading these scriptures, is to simplify it to this little part. 1 Corinthians 14. Now, Paul is talking to the church at large. He's been talking in 12, then he talks about love in 13. But in 12 and 14, he's talking about how the gifts of the Spirit operate in the church mentality, in the corporate setting of the church mentality. Here's some things that you've got to kind of go into this knowing. Everybody in the church at that time understood an empowered mentality They prayed in tongues, they spoke in tongues, they did all this stuff on a regular basis. When they had corporate services, the gifts of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit were there, prophecy, discernment, word of knowledge, all these things were going on. That's why Paul sits down and begins to talk with the church. And he says, you guys got all this stuff, let me give you some some structure to it, let me give you some order so that you can understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Stay focused on what? Stay focused on Jesus revealing himself to us here so that we can reveal him out there. So that's why Paul does this. I, I've heard so many people over the years talk about how Paul came in to make sure that they weren't speaking in tongues. That's not true. Everybody spoke in tongues then. That this was a big controversy. That's a big one I got at Denver, Sem- the Denver Seminary. They even had a whole big uh, seminar one time on the controversy of, of uh, tongues in the New Testament. T- t- New Testament church time frame. There was no There was no conflict or or tension or anything. Everybody spoke in tongues. How do we know that? Because that's why Paul wrote Corinthians. Because everybody is already on board. You can see that in so many senses where they already are on board. They already understand this. But people, because people are silly sometimes, they kind of start going off and doing their own things and they're losing the focus of what Paul is saying the Holy Spirit's trying to do. That's why he teaches in 12 and 14. The idea that somehow Paul was saying there's this big controversy called tongues, he never says that he never even goes there. It's not a it's not a subject in the New Testament. They were all on board. We're the ones who have parsed it nowadays and made it separate and made it some kind of controversy. It was not a controversy. The only place it comes even close is in Acts 2 when everybody's speaking in tongues. And all these people from all these language groups hear them speaking in their own languages. But did you know nobody there, look at this, nobody in Acts 2 said, "Um, this shouldn't be happening. They said, hey, I just heard them speak in my language. That's interesting. I'm going to go check this out. I'm going to go see what's going on. Because this is interesting. There was no conflict. And all these 16 different people groups, I think, are that you hear languages of in there. they're all drawn in. How do we know they're all drawn in? Because when Peter gets up to speak, at the end of this, thousands were added to the church that day. That means when Peter is speaking, he's speaking to thousands of people that had come in to hear what Peter had to say because they heard speaking in tongues. There wasn't a negative. There wasn't a conflict. They thought it was cool. Which, by the way, Paul reinforces in 1 Corinthians 12 because he says speaking in tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. Unbelievers that, let me put a caveat here, that have not been taught by the American church that there's something wrong with this or it's bad or it's demonic. Unbelievers are drawn in. And by the way, in every other place on the planet that happens all the time, except Europe and us where it's been taught against, unsaved people are drawn to speaking in tongues. It's interesting. They feel the power. They sense it's something uh, supernatural from God, and they're pulled in. It's only in the American church where we've been taught against it that it becomes conflict. He says, but in verse 1, let love be your highest goal. You should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. You should desire. Where do we get anything else except desire The gifts of the Spirit desire the abilities the Holy Spirit can give you. Why does any church teach anything else except that sentence? But you should also desire the special ability. you got love. Now desire the Holy Spirit's power, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, now look at this. This is what some people say is a negative thing. This is Paul trying to talk you out of speaking in tongues. But let's just read the words. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Is that bad? Is Paul saying that's a bad thing? He's saying to the body, desire prophecy because you speak to people from God. But when you're praying in tongues, you're speaking to God. In fact, I've said this for years, and I think most people miss the the importance of the correlation here. You're not going to be prophesying which is strengthening the body until you have been praying in tongues, which strengthens you personally. You're, you, you can't get one before the other. You've got to have speaking in tongues to strengthen you personally so that you're strengthened personally to prophesy to the body, which strengthens them. Okay, so. I know, I know, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know you guys are like, we, we, we get it. We're with you. But I feel strongly about this. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is this bad? First, you're speaking to God, and you're speaking to God by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the one who's empowering you to speak to God. How is this a bad thing? The reason that we don't have power is because we're not letting the Holy Spirit empower us to speak to God. We're doing it all on our own. All in our own brains, our own analytical thought, and our own cognitive reasoning of spiritual things. And he says, but if you speak in tongues, you're speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit to God. Guys, we should all be wanting that, deeply wanting that. He says, but it will all be mysterious. And that's the part where the church freaks out. Mysterious. I've watched this for years. This this is my 30th year of being in ministry. I've watched this forever. People that run from the Holy Spirit because they are scared to death that the Holy Spirit's actually going to be in charge. And I've seen this in, in every setting. I had two guys in my last church that were very adamant. They would never go to a men's retreat because people at men's retreat prayed and the Holy Spirit did things. I'm like is that bad? How is that ever bad? Because they're scared to death to not be in control. They're going to build their own Christianity. They're going to build their own mentalities. They're going to build their own code. They're going to design everything themselves, and they're not going to let the Holy Spirit be in charge, because the Holy Spirit will be conviction. In fact, usually what what happens with me, and I know this is an overgeneralization. It's probably not fair sometimes, but when I hear people talking so much about Well, I can't be involved in that because the Holy Spirit, like coming to a church prayer meeting. Well, I don't want to be sitting around and people praying and crying and being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what I always wonder? I always wonder what sin is in their life that they don't want revealed by the Holy Spirit through conviction. Now, that's probably not fair to everybody, but I've just seen it so many times. That the people that seem to run from the Holy Spirit the most are the ones that have the sin going on that they're trying to hide and cover up. That's that's my experience. It's totally anecdotal. But I wonder about that. Why why would we not want the power of the Holy Spirit? Why would we not want to be talking to God? Why would we not want this power straight from the Holy Spirit? Why would we not want that? He says, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. I want to do that too, but I can't do that until I have been strengthened. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. That's why I believe that tongues is actually the empowerment. It's your your strengthening. It's your empowerment. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. We need the power that goes beyond our natural abilities. Stop resisting. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying if there's a possibility. Don't resist what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Go after Him. Pray in the Spirit. You should be praying in the Spirit every day. Every day. You cannot come up with a reason why why you wouldn't. Why you shouldn't. You can't. We need to be praying in the Spirit every day because you need strengthened. You need boldness. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to speak with authority and with truth. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand with me? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. <clears throat> and we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us. And I would... <clears throat> I would like to urge you. you can do what you want. But I would like to urge you as you're praying, pray in the spirit too. Just just begin to pray in tongues. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues. You said I've never done that before. Let today be the day. Let, t- let today be the day you start doing this. Just pray in the spirit. Pray out loud. Pray in the spirit. Don't worry about what everybody else is thinking or or whatever. Don't. It isn't this is just you and God. This is just you and God. Just just, just draw a circle around you, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Or it's just you and me. And just begin to pray in the Spirit. Because why? You need power, I need power. We need this right now today. We need this. And as you're doing this, pray for somebody else. Pray for somebody else that the Lord puts in your mind that needs Jesus. And and I would suggest pray the same thing in Acts 4. Lord, give me boldness to tell that person about you. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we just come to you. Lord, we submit ourselves just like the disciples did in Acts 2. We submit ourselves to your gospel, to your truth, to your word. We submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we desire for you to be in charge, not us. We're for you to be in charge. I pray for every one of us here that we'd be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we'd be filled with you, the presence, the power of the universe, that we'd be filled with you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, just breathe into our existence. Just breathe in this this rushing mighty wind into our spirit. In the name of Jesus. Just begin to talk to him. Just begin to pray. Lord, we, we seek you, Lord. We seek you. In the name of Jesus. We seek you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray for our country. God, we pray to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray for our country. We pray for our country. We pray for our president. We pray for our church. We want Church of Briargate to have power. We want Church of Briargate to have miracles. The supernatural in our existence. Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you. That you're the King. Lord, I pray that every person in this room will just surrender to your Spirit and make praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, a daily routine, a daily process. That we won't be worried about it, won't be embarrassed or I don't know, however. Lord, but that we'll worship in in spirit, we'll worship in in tongues, we'll worship and pray in tongues. Lord, I really believe that the future of our country is depending on not just us, but the church rising up with this. We need this. Lord, if there's anybody at Church of Bargate that's unsure about this, or even, even people listening online, they're unsure about this, show them your word, Lord, show them your truth. Show them that just let Jesus breathe on them. Just desire the same thing the disciples desired. Jesus, just breathe on us. Fill us with your spirit. today but as we lay our heads on our pillows tonight we'll pray in the spirit as we wake up we'll pray in the spirit as we're driving to work we'll pray in the spirit as we're turning computers on to work at home we'll we'll pray in the spirit jesus we thank you for this Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to change it this morning. Just before, so before noon tomorrow, the Holy Spirit's going to desire you to be with Him and be close to Him. Before noon tomorrow, pray in the Spirit. Just, just start there. Everything else will work. Just pray in the Spirit. And uh, God to honor that in your life. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are they're here. Um, hopefully that's true. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Uh, We do have a special female speaker Wednesday night. So you want to be here. We'll see you then.